You're listening to the John Clark Cast, formerly the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. My name is John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist and a brand builder, marketing consultant, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. So glad you're here today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's dive in. All right, Beth Medina is on the show. How are you this morning? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, John? Good. We were just talking about our cats and their guest appearances on pretty much any any time you're like recording or doing something important. I think the cat cats tend to know. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're like, "Oh, is this? A, yeah. Oh, you're doing a podcast? Let me get up here and hit mm-hmm. a few random keys on your keyboard and." Well, you know, they always have something fun to say. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. They want to join the yeah. fun. It's good. Chew on your, your headphone cord while you're talking mm-hmm. or, you know. Walk across the screen. Yeah, that's my, that's my favorite. I think they like it because yeah. it's warm on a laptop. Mm-hmm. At least mine does. I think they like it because it's annoying, maybe. <laughs> I just, you know, it's just how they roll. Maybe a little of both. <laughs> well, hey, um, I am really excited to connect with you. Um, our mutual friend, Kelly Higdon put us in touch and has talked really highly of you and of this crazy thing called brain spotting that I really know nothing about. I intentionally didn't do my homework so that you could just tell me about it. Um, oh, fabulous. Without any, uh, <laughs> any, any, you know, context or pretense, but it, first of all, just maybe tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're located and, and what you're up to. Yeah, I'm Beth Medina. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in Jacksonville, Florida. And what I'm up to, I'm up to lots of different <laughs> things, you know, as, as everyone in private practice. Yeah. Um, so I started private practice 12 years ago. Um, and, you know, initially it was really crazy how quickly it took off. And I was like, you know, this is really great. I'm really successful and I'm so full and making great money. And, you know, after doing that for like seven years straight, it kind of started weighing on me, getting kind of heavy, you know, seeing lots and lots of clients, like 30 plus a week. And so it was interesting. I was learning about brain spotting um, at the time. I've, I've always been an EMDR therapist. Um, what do you, but, you know, you always want to ask What do you stuff, attribute uh-huh. to your success early on? Because you made it some kind of easy getting the practice off the ground and, and you reached that point of like, okay, what's next? Um, maybe pretty, pretty early. Well, you know, I because of my EMDR experience uh, and, and the fact that I was just in love with EMDR, I just went around and talked to people about it and uh, got lots and lots of referrals that way because it's such an effective way of treating trauma. So, yeah, and like I didn't really have a choice. The first month in private practice, well, I, I was still working full time, like a lot of people transitioning. And the first month in private practice, I, I grossed like 500 bucks. So I kind of knew right off the bat, if I'm going to make this a real thing, I need to be like really beaten down gotcha. the doors. And so instead of seeing client, when I wasn't seeing a client, I would, you know, reach out to different people and schedule some meetings and stuff, you know. Um, and initially I was able to speak to several primary care physicians who were super happy to refer clients to me um, just because they needed more support than they were able to get just, you know, within their own practices. So, um, so yeah. And 
and it felt really good. Um, it felt like, hey, I finally arrived. You know, I went from working agency jobs, which a lot of people have done, to um, to doing some EAP work and, you know, making a little bit more money, but still, you know, being really stressed out and feeling really like like I was missing kind of my calling. So private practice really um, initially was just just really a breath of fresh air. And I was super excited about getting into it. And I loved working with the client, so it didn't feel like it was a really stressful thing. Um, but, you know, eventually when you do complex trauma work, it does tend to weigh on you. So um, I started actually getting sick, which was no good. And when I originally was introduced to brain spotting, uh, we learned about self-spotting, which is a great self-help tool, a way of working on your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was... Oh, yeah. So, um, so well, I guess we should talk about what brain spotting is before we launch into to specifically what self-spotting yeah, yeah. is. I, I'd also um, love to hear yeah. about your um, your training with EMDR and just what that process was like. We've never talked about EMDR on the show, and, uh, you know, it's it, primarily a, a business-related podcast, but um, part of uh-huh. what I'm really curious about is how brain spotting can help uh, remove blocks for people that may be getting mm-hmm. in the way of whatever they need to accomplish in life. And in our case, maybe building a private practice or having the, the kind of um, uh, sense of self-efficacy that we need in order to, to do good work and help people and, and, and stand on our own two feet in, in the business of private practice. But um, I, w- I want to hear a little bit about your EMDR training and, and how that um, maybe kind of set the foundation for what would come next with brain spotting. Yeah, and you know, brain spotting. People think that brain spotting is like EMDR, you know, two point but it's actually not. It's it's actually quite different. But I'll tell the story about how brain spotting was sure. discovered too. But when I um, when I first got licensed in two thousand one, I was working at a substance abuse agency, and doing. I was the director of family services there, and. Um, I got to kind of go around to different facilities to see what kind of work we did. And we had a women's center, which was great. Um, But I popped into one of the groups and I was like, oh, what's this group? And they said, oh, it's the trauma group. And I was like, great. So I sat down in this group of like, I want to say 20 something people and noticed how we were re-traumatizing people because they would make them talk about the worst experiences of their lives and the therapist didn't have the right right training. Um, so I was like, we can't do this to people. Um, so I went to our COO, who was a wonderful man, and he was like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. He's like, we'll find out. <laughs> so I did research and, um, you know, EMDR kept coming up. And when I heard about EMDR in graduate school, I honestly thought, this is just wacky. This can't possibly work, right? It just seems so weird and like it's just – it's you know, like some kind of magic trick. Um, but anyway, so EMDR kept coming up as one of the – most effective ways of treating trauma. So I figured, well, I'll go to Atlanta, free trip to Atlanta, see some friends, you know, go to training, that kind of thing. And so um, it was a weekend training, the first, the level one training um, back then. And it was really a cool experience. Steve Silver was the trainer, an amazing man. Um, And he had been at the Oklahoma City bombing afterwards to to treat the trauma victims. And the story is really amazing. But honestly, I thought, I'm kind of a skeptic at heart. Mm -hmm. I thought, this is really just too good to be true. Like, they they picked, like, the four people that worked with, and they showed the videos of it, right? (laughs) Um, But at the end of the – seriously, like, I was like, this – it can't possibly be true. But at the end of the training, we get to be guinea pigs. We get to try it out on each other. And I try to make it not work, couldn't make it not work, that kind of thing. Anyway, the person that I worked with was amazing. She went through this trauma – in 90 minutes that I thought there's no possible way this is humanly possible um, to go from being highly activated to really 
to have it resolved. Um, pretty, pretty cool stuff. So um, brought it back to the treatment center. It really worked well. Went to the level two training. And then from there on out, just went, has have been to advanced trainings throughout um, you know, my EMDR experience. So the idea, and for people that don't know, um, is that trauma is kind of a half process or partially process memory in the brain. Uh, in the moment of the trauma, the brain doesn't have a, an opportunity to fully process. And that's what makes part of what makes the memory traumatic and kind of anchors people back to this, um, this unpleasant experience that they had unpleasant in in any degree of un, unpleasantness from a bad breakup to a car crash or a near death experience, etc. Um, so it's, it uses, they talk a lot about bilateral stimulation in the way that when we have the two, um, the two sides of the brain communicating, it allows for that full processing of, uh, of the trauma. I think it's a, it's a fascinating treatment. I think it's a brain therapy really. Um, and some, some will argue that it's an, it's a form of exposure therapy in that part of EMDR is getting people to relive the experience, but you're doing something with it, which is what I like about it. You're mm-hmm. not just like you, you mentioned earlier, ha- getting people re-traumatized because just having people retell the story isn't necessarily inherently helpful. And in fact, can get people pretty, pretty dysregulated pretty fast, right? Exactly. Especially if you aren't able to hold the, the space exactly. properly for yeah, the clients. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a little story for you and I think you'll appreciate this. Um, so I went through the MDR mm-hmm. training a couple of years ago after years of feeling like um, if you are a therapist of any kind, you're going to end up seeing trauma. It's going to show up in the room, even if you say, I'm not a trauma therapist or I just do anxiety or whatever. It's going to it's gonna find its way to you, right? Um, and you might work with someone for a year and a half and they go, oh, by the way, I have this huge thing that I want to work through with you now <laughs> because you're my therapist and I don't want to start over mm-hmm. again with someone, even if they have more EMDR training. So I went through this. I went through EMDR training because I wanted something specific to, to treat trauma with. And um, like you said, as part of the training, we, we practice on one another, uh, just kind of the way mm-hmm. to practice. And so um, I used a real trauma. So I was an EMT for many years and had a particularly one of hundreds of difficult calls, but one in particular that I thought, okay, I'll, I'll work through this one. I'll give this person something really real to, <laughs> to work with, even though it's her first time. And you broke the rule. You're supposed to use a smaller trauma. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I go big or go home, you know, it's just like, that's right. That's my thing. Um, so yeah, I should have used a breakup looking back on it, but I didn't. I was like, we give her something to sink her teeth into here. And, and the result was she started the process and she's looking at the treatment manual, you know, and she's following the steps. And then about a quarter of the way into it, she just kind of froze and uh, just kind of shit the bed, to be honest, and just lost her place and didn't know where to go. And I was extremely dysregulated. I was back in that moment, back in that call and starting to feel extremely panicky. It was yeah. awful. It showed me the potency of this whole thing, of this treatment. Uh-huh. And also when you're yeah. when you get people in when you start the MDR, you can't just stop. You have to hit the gas pedal all the way through. So what ended up happening was, and it was kind of embarrassing. Um, the instructor had to come over and kind of take her place and spend some time kind of working with me to, um, uh, to just get me kind of regulated again. So it was, it was awful. It was unpleasant. I hated that it happened, but also um, I know exactly how potent it can be now when I use it with clients. So anyway, I just, I just thought I'd share that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and just the importance of being able to stay with it and trust the process and trust the client's ability to heal really is an important thing. And and just to yeah. create that um, that container, like you mentioned, um, sh- mm-hmm. you know, if you're one of my old professors used to say, a therapy is just two two anxious people sitting in a room, and in other mm-hmm. words, don't be the more anxious one. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. that's my story. Back to you. <laughs> EMDR kind of got you down this road of um, mm-hmm. looking at ways in which we can um, we can incorporate the brain into the the interventions we're making. Yeah, and so you know there was something for me that was always sort of missing with EMDR, and even though I had been to many advanced trainings and actually went through certification, um, there was something about the relational piece that was missing for me. It was like, because as the therapist, you're still kind of in control of when you stop, when you start and, and, and where, where we go in the process, um, for, for lack of a better way of saying it. Um, and so when I first heard about brain spotting, um, I always have had a lot of respect for David Grand, who actually used to be a master EMDR therapist. Um, and, the, my first exposure to brain spotting was actually uh, I was doing his natural flow EMDR DVD training. And I was like, what is this stuff that he's doing on here? You know, it's interesting. So he would do these very slow eye movements um, and he would stop and the person would process a little bit deeper and stuff. Anyway, so I really didn't think much of it. I thought, well, this is interesting. And the way that he integrated somatic experiencing um, with EMDR was very helpful for clients and really helped contain and regulate them. You know, and really the, the goal of therapy is to help the client not just regulate in your office, but also be able to regulate when mm-hmm. they leave, you know, and for that process, for them to totally process um, and and digest the trauma, but also integrate new ways of being and um, and and being able to be present and stay within the window of tolerance, so to speak. Yep. Right. So um, when I first went to. A brain spot. No, actually, I, th- I, I, did, I did some DVD training before I went to the first brain spotting training in person because I was like, I really want to know more about this. And unfortunately, I missed one of the trainings here in Florida. So uh, I was doing the training with a friend. And so we got to practice on each other. And it was like, this stuff is amazing. So what is brain spotting, I guess, is part of the question that everyone yeah, has. And if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you see that I have a pointer here. Um, if you're not watching on YouTube, just imagine there's a pointer. Um, so David Grand, who is the originator of brain spotting, says that where we look affects how we feel. And everybody has actually done self-spotting. Um, so that is brain spotting on themselves without even really realizing it. Have you ever had the experience where you're kind of like staring off into space intently, like staring at like nothing, but like as though you're being drawn in and like you're not even really thinking about anything in particular. It's more of a deep sort of process where, you know, you're where you might be aware of what's happening physically in your body or you might just be aware that something's happening, but you can't really articulate it. And then you kind of come out of it and you're like, wow, I feel better. What was that? I do that a lot when someone's either mad at me or trying to tell me something really important. (laughs) (laughs) I think we call that dissociating. That's another story, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So when you think about something that's disturbing to you, and John, we're going to pick something really small. We're not going to do an an, an EMT kind of experience. (laughs) But like, you know, when... When something goes wrong with maybe the, you know, equipment when you're trying to do a podcast or something, you know, it's, it might be aggravating, it might be anxiety provoking or whatever. Um, 
if you can just bring up that sensation of like that frustration mm-hmm. or that anxiety, sure. where do you, where does it show up physically in your body? Hmm. Um, I can think of a, uh, actually something that just happened yesterday where, um, at my, at unconditional media, we had, um, a kind of an issue with payment and a bunch of money that was missing and owed to someone. And it was just kind of that shock of like, Oh shit, we have a thing on our hands and something I haven't dealt with before. Um, you know, probably my stomach, which I think is common. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you just draw your attention to your stomach right now, um, I want you to just to kind of rate on a zero to 10 scale, how activated you feel around this issue right now. Probably, Where are you at? Uh, let's say a six. A six. Okay. Now I want you just to look straight ahead and would that be at the camera, you think, or just like just the, kind well, of just at eye okay. level, just just okay. at eye level, just eye level. And what? Where is it at now? Still a six, or has it changed? Hmm. Um, it's probably a four. Okay. Now, still at eye level. Look to your right. Just with my eyes. Just anything. Just just with your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your number now? Probably a three. Okay. All right. And yeah, for fun, how about going to the left? with your eyes and seeing what happens. Probably a six. Right? Okay, weird. Yeah. Right? That's so, so, pretty bizarre. so what happens, it's, it is bizarre. So, and of course, brain's messy. We don't really totally understand everything that happens. But you talked earlier about when trauma gets stuck in the brain. So if you think about um, the orienting response, let's say that you're walking through the woods and, you know, there's, uh, rustling in the bushes to your left, you you stop. But the first thing that happens if we slow if we slow everything down is your eyes look and fix because they're trying to see is that a rattlesnake or is that a bunny rabbit, right? So with you and your experience, when you first found out about that uh, in that little whoopsie with the payment stuff, you know what happened was like you were in a meeting or whatever, you were talking to somebody, and when you realized it, bam, your eyes fixed on something. And we're not totally sure that where we're looking exactly corresponds with where we're looking at the time of the trauma. What we do know is that the visual field allows us to access different places of either um, traumatic material or even um, confidence building and resources. Okay. So the goal of brain spotting is to help the person gently digest the trauma or the experience of what happened in a way that is, um, is naturally going with where, with where their brain needs to go. Okay. So if we were working on this issue, I would ask you, um, to, to bring up that, that, that feeling, um, you know, feel it in your stomach and we would find a place in your visual field. And if I'm in person, I would probably use this pointer here to help you find exactly where that is. We go across your visual field, um, on the x-axis, y-axis, and all that good stuff, okay? So we'd find a very specific point because there's a place specifically in your visual field where we can get really good access to it. But we can also contain it so that you are not going to totally flip out. So you're going to be able to to think and feel at the same time without having an overreaction um, or underreaction, okay? And the process just allows you to gently become aware of what's happening. We call it focus mindfulness because we're asking you to kind of hone in on this experience, notice what's happening in your body, and then see where it takes you. So you may notice that um, 
that you become aware of like, oh, this happened one more this time before, or you may notice that your stomach starts to feel better or worse, or you may notice that the sensation spreads throughout your body, or you may notice you know, just all sorts of different stuff, you know, and it's, it's different for every single person. So I can't tell you exactly how your process would be. Um, but the goal is for you to be able to access that, uh, the, the resources in your brain as you're getting rid of what you don't need, you know. So back to that orienting response, if, if you are, so if, if I'm in the woods and I get bit by the rattlesnake, right, I, because I, I'm not fast or um, I didn't have a stick to hit it with, uh, I'm going to start to um, hopefully shut down a little bit, right? I'm going to go into shock and that's going to do a whole bunch of different great stuff for me. It's going to lower my blood pressure, right? So that I'm not pumping this venom through my veins. And if the thing bites me again, um, it's probably not going to hurt as much. And at some point, um, I, I'm going to collapse, right? If I survive, um, and even though I'm in the hospital and have gotten the anti-venom, I may know I'm okay, but my body um, and in the, in the subcortical places in, in my brain where the trauma is stored, it doesn't know that. So we have to find a therapy that's going to get to that, you know, and there are many times when, when we try to kind of talk ourselves through things and then we end up feeling bad that we can't get past it. Well, it's because the trauma doesn't live in the place in the brain where you can think and feel at the same time, all the time. You know, a lot of times it, it's, it's stored much, much deeper. So we have to have a brain-based or body-based therapy to get there, you know, and EMDR, um, you know, certainly is one of them, but brain spotting, um, we have found gets direct access to the subcortical regions in the brain where trauma is stored. And we're able to do different things uh, to contain the experience so it's very comfortable for clients. Um, and part of the process is not just watching the neurobiology of what's happening, it's attuning to the person relationally. One of the things that happens during trauma is that we feel completely alone, even if we're in a room full of people, right? You know, so thinking back to that horrible experience that, that you had as, as, as an EMT, you know, even though you had other people around you, it was that, that helplessness. It's actually, it's actually that a big like, part yeah. of the trauma. And, and it's a, to me, yeah. it's a, it's a cornerstone part of a lot of traumas is, um, sorry. And the, and the irony is, um, you would think that like, being on the ambulance, being prepared, being in uniform would mean people don't get traumatized. But in fact, two, well, two things that were particularly difficult about this call were number one, just how kind of gory it was without going into detail. But the second part was actually, I didn't have enough help on that call. Um, the, there were some police officers that were there and it was just me and a driver and the driver is a non-medical person. Um, but part of it is the fact that the police wouldn't come in the house to help me because they didn't want to get messy. They didn't want to get their hands dirty and, and help this patient. So part of it was that sense of like, no one's helping me. I'm, al I'm alone in this house without the resources I need to, to handle this. Right. And I think if I did have those resources, it would have gone a lot differently and it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be uh, as much of a trauma or it might be, you know, it might be difficult, but um, wouldn't be a trauma per se. But that's, that's a really interesting part. And I think one criticism I have of EMDR is that it can feel kind of detached, uh, at least in learning it and in the protocol, you really are just sticking to the script. And that person's can, may be getting super dysregulated from reliving that trauma. And your response by the book is stick with it. Go with it. Mm -hmm. Stick with right. it. It's really not about me. And in fact, bringing yourself into it um, 
would take you out of the protocol in a way. That's that's one problem I have with it. Certainly, I know like super seasoned EMDR practitioners are going to say otherwise, or they're going to do it however the hell they're going to do it, and they're going to be with you. But um, this is this is interesting. So brain spotting allows for that relational component, and also it seems a lot more uh, kind of open ended than EMDR. Is that right? It def it definitely mm-hmm. is. You know, the most important thing across. Every single research study that's been done, the most important thing um, as far as, as therapy outcomes is the relationship, you know? Yeah, and number one when we, of success across yeah. theoretical orientation or intervention or years of experience. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, if we are misattuning to our clients, we are injuring them, you know? And it's not possible for us to stay totally attuned 100% of the time. So as a brain spotting practitioner, part of what we learn is how to stay present with ourselves and attuned to what's happening with us as we're attuned to what's happening with the client, you know, because you can be absorbed into their trauma um, or you can do this thing where you detach from it. Um, and I think that, that a lot of practitioners um, of various types of therapy do that to, to self-preserve. Um, and that's understandable, but it is harmful. Yeah. So let's, um, let's take this out of um, the therapeutic context for a second. And let's say you're working with um, a private practitioner or a business owner who maybe has a block. And I was actually just, I think about this a lot. Um, and I'm, I've, it's a controversial point, but um, I help, I spend a lot of time, pretty much full time helping therapists build a better business and private practice. Mm-hmm. It's all under the assumption that you're doing good work or that you believe in your own efficacy and your own ability to help clients. It's the same thing. So I, I used to do hypnosis, um, hypnotherapy, and we know a big part of why that works is that the practitioner believes fully in it and in your, in your ability to help and in your ability to say, there's, it's this weird thing, it's this phenomenon, but, but it's going to help you. I'm really, I'm really convinced it's going to help you. We know that's a big part of it. So for therapists, let's say that maybe that is their problem. They're doing all the right stuff, the marketing, the website, the networking, whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's something, there's something in them that still goes, I'm not sure if I'm really cut out to do this. Like, I'm not sure if I can charge this much or if I'm, if I'm good enough to charge this much. How, do you, mm-hmm. how would you use brain spotting to help with stuff like that? Oh, that's a great question. So there, there's so much juicy stuff there, right? First of all, I would say that our profession, we're taught that it's our job to know how to fix people. And I think that really is not honoring our client's ability to heal themselves. You know, thinking about like if I were to break my arm, now I wouldn't try to set it myself and, you know, wrap it up, right? I would go see a doctor and the doctor would do what doctors do. They examine it, right? And the, um, the doctor would decide, are we going to set this? Do we, need, do we need surgery? You know, whatever. The doctor would set the right conditions for healing, but he wouldn't heal my arm, right? As long as the right conditions are set, my arm can do the work on its own. So when I have people come in and you're, I mean, I see this across, not just therapists, I see it across all types of, um, of entrepreneurial businesses. People come in and they say, you know, I don't know that what I'm doing is really worth it because they don't see that like not everyone could do what they do. You know, um, so if it's a therapist who's having a problem believing in their efficacy, um, maybe there was a case that they had where things didn't go so well. Um, and 
you know, sometimes we're aware of what, of what our blocks really are, but a lot of the times we don't. We, have, we might have a sense, but it's like the tip of the iceberg. So with brain spotting, I make no assumptions as far as, as what really is contributing to, to the issues. I might, I might have my, you know, experience and my knowledge and everything, but I'm not going to come in and put my views on somebody else. So we're going to start where the client comes in. So your client, so this client says to me, I, I'm doing all this marketing. I just feel like a fraud because I don't really think that my work that I'm doing is really worth $200 an hour. So great. Let's get curious about that. So when you think about charging that much, what comes up? What do you, what do you notice physically in your body um, and anything else, else that comes up? So they would notice what's happening in their body. We'd find an eye position that corresponds with um, with where we can access that stuff, and then we process. Now, we can use bilateral stimulation via music, but it's not necessary. Um, and so what happens is the client just becomes attuned and aware to their own stuff um, from a non-judgmental perspective. And this is really key because I see this all the time. And, I mean, I think that we're all guilty of it, where we're struggling with something and we think, gosh, I should know better, right? You know, um, I look at other people and, and, and they're, they're doing just as well as I'm doing or whatever, or, or maybe I, I think I'm a better therapist than they are, but I can't let myself charge this much. What's wrong with me? Well, instead of beating yourself up, if we can get curious about that part that's like, I'm not worth it, we can learn so much. And then that, that fight is not there anymore and the person can get past the block. Would you say there's a cognitive component to brain spotting? Well, there's a cognitive component to everything that we do because we're humans. But it, let's say in, in terms <laughs> but, but it's, of um, it's not, drawing out a belief, right? Because, and, and again, part of EMDR is what do you believe about yourself or what does it say about you that this thing happened? Mm -hmm. Right? And so a lot of times yeah. there is a clear belief attached to the trauma. Um, is, is it that explicit with, with brain spotting? It's not because brain spotting tends to, to really target a lot of pre-verbal messages. And so, I, I mean, certainly, you know, we could probably pick out a belief like this person doesn't believe that they're worthy, yeah, yeah. for example. But that's not really all that helpful as far as resolving the, um, the stuff that's underneath. Yeah. You know, so um, if a person's aware of a belief, that's great. But they don't have to be aware of a belief for in order to resolve what's um what's causing or contributing to the problems that they're having can you say a little bit about your experiences with brain spotting what was it like for you to learn it have you experienced it for yourself and what was that like oh yeah so you know as i said when i did the dvd training with actually one of my good friends who's an emdr therapist we got to practice on each other and that was really really cool and of course we were still trying to figure out how to do it so it was sort of awkward and everything um but when i went to um i kind of did things backwards i went to phase two training before phase one because i'd done the dvds and then i did um I did a, um, an intensive with David Grant, which was phenomenal. So that was really great getting to experience, like getting brain spotting from David Grant. I'll have to tell you about it in another episode probably. But um, after that, I went to phase three, then back to phase one. Um, and then I've done many, many trainings since then. Um, but I'll tell you that what I found most helpful 
was being able to take what I learned and use it on myself. So part of what I love teaching practitioners is how to self-spot. And like you can read David's book and kind of get a gist of how to do brain spotting um, or self-spotting on yourself. He talks about how to do that from a resource perspective. Um, but what's really helpful is being able to, to stay with the activation and hold that space for yourself. And that takes a little bit do, of doing, you know. So it was funny. Um, when I first thought about using brain spotting for private practice stuff, um, I'd just been to phase two training and I was recovering from a heart procedure I had. And like, you know, like many therapists have, I had the issue of, you know, boundaries with clients um, out, you know, for surgery, do not call me, you know, call my person I've, I've given the, you know, your number to, or the, who's taking over my practice. But of course I had one client who um, didn't do that and started texting me. And I sat there thinking, what am I doing wrong here? <laughs> you know, so I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to brain spot this. Like, what is it about me that that's make that's made this client think it's okay to text me when I'm recovering from this procedure? And it was like an instant kind of thing. And I was able to really set set boundaries right then and there with that client, and then work through that process with them, and then not be able. I, I was able to to not fall into that pattern again, just with that one thing. But there was one thing I really needed to do. And that was get off of my last insurance panel. I had been taking this one insurance, you know, for for quite some time, and you know they they paid fairly well, um, you know, for insurance, which is not very well. Um, but because I had so many clients, and because so many clients wanted to do EMDR and wanted to do brain spotting, I was just overworked, and of course it was difficult to say no. So I knew I had to get off the insurance, but it was hard. It was a hard decision to make, um, and so. I finally just bit the bullet and said to myself, okay, I need to, I need to do some brain spotting. And so I called, um, Pi Fry, who's one of the, the senior trainers, who's actually David's, you know, number one senior trainer. And I said, Pi, I need you to help me with this. And so we did one, one brain spotting session, 90 minute session. Um, and you know, I'd done a lot of work on my own, but just with that one session, I was really able to let go of all the fears of what will people think and, you know, what will clients do and all of that kind of nonsense. Or um, what if I torpedo my practice and no one wants to come see me and then I'm a failure and my family isn't going to want, you know, I, I can't support my family, all that stuff. And after that one session, I was able to to do everything I needed to do to get off the insurance. I wrote the letter. I, you know, I, set, I started preparing clients. I wrote the letter to clients, email the insurance company, the Dear John letter, and boom, was off. It's pretty cool. It was amazing. People can stay yeah. stuck for as long as they're going to stay stuck for, um, and keep they can keep trying the same thing or keep waiting around for some resolve to kind of happen for them. Whether it's uh -huh. I'm, I finally feel like I can change my fees, so I'm going to change my fees, versus just changing them and then <laughs> you know addressing the feelings yeah. that come afterward. But um, it's mm -hmm. it seems like brain spotting can be a way to accelerate some changes that you might make eventually or that you know you want to make, but, um, but that you just, or otherwise might stay stuck on. It can make the changes less, less painful. Yeah. You know, I mean, even in my own process, I was talking to Kelly about this yesterday that 
so even writing copy for a website, which we just literally launched my website yesterday for, for the coaching stuff. Oh, component. Um, that's so oh, thank you. That's totally separate from, from my private practice, but just in writing that copy, I found myself doing it the hard way, you know, just banging it out and writing and rewriting and everything. And I thought to myself, why don't I just brain spot this? This is really stupid because I help people do that all the time. Right. So, Bam! I did that, and all, it's just started flowing. And I was like, "Why am I? Why do I? Why am I so hard-headed? Why do I not even do this for myself sometimes?" And instead of beating myself up, I went, well, "Why do you?" And I did some brain spotting, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I have this family thing of hard work is important, you know, and you have to work hard. And if you're not working hard, it's not really work." And it was like, "Oh, wow, that's really cool." You know, and yeah, hard work is important, but you don't have to kill yourself in the process, especially if you have something that can help accelerate it. Amazing. Beth, this is really powerful stuff. And um, I can definitely say that I felt some degree of it when you had me do it earlier on. um, In this call, I I mean, I really, I'm a believer and I'm not just saying that to to like, Uh you know, make this this podcast episode a success, but, uh, <laughs> I, my, my approach to things like this, that seem for some people could go, that seems made up or whatever. Same thing with EMDR, right? My, my, mm-hmm. my philosophy is I think anything can work and I'm happy to try anything, right? Like we, there's so much mm-hmm. we don't know about the brain, but there are some things we know that work. We don't necessarily know precisely why they work, right? Or precisely what's happening in the brain, but something's happening. It's creating some relief and it's getting us out of our normal tendencies, which is just to talk about it and stay more stuck. Or in my case, maybe talk about that trauma and feel even worse and then feel worse for the rest of my Mm -hmm. day about it and have, and be even further from resolve and then be thinking, wow, I can't can't believe I'm still dealing with this. It it was so long ago. I shouldn't be still feeling things about Mm -hmm. it. So I'm, I'm really intrigued and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to want to know more. I'm going to want to pick your brain about it again. So, well, yeah. yeah. and we didn't even really do brain yeah. spotting. I just kind of demonstrated how the visual field affects you, you know. So if we were to do brain spotting on that, you would just be able to access that ick in your yep. stomach and see what happens with it as I'm holding that frame mm-hmm. for you, you know. And it's so amazing how just, just having the presence of someone else and that safety, like you're able just to work through things very, very quickly. So, yeah. Incredible. Thank Beth, you. Um, what you you mentioned you just launched a new website i'd love to know how people can find that one and then just in general how can people find you and get in touch yeah so it's bethmedina.com b e t h m e d i n a.com and uh you're welcome to uh check out the website there you can ask for a 15 minute consult or email me either way uh beth at bethmedina.com cool. and then did you want to um promote the other your new website as well or that is my oh, new okay, website, cool. brand new website. Very yeah, cool. yeah. So, and on there, I have I have a different, I have some packages. So, especially if a person wants to work through one particular thing, like I am sick of you know taking clients I don't want to take, but I keep taking gotcha. them, or I get on the phone, I'm ready to say my fees this, and then all of a sudden I find myself going, but I, you can pay this, and I'm just I'm just crazed about it. Why do I do this? I want to stop. Well. Um, we can definitely work through that very, very quickly. So the first part of it's, – it's a three-session um, package. And what we do is initially I send you this really long and, uh, and thought-provoking, hopefully, assessment just to kind of get you thinking about what is it that um, – where are your goals? Uh, what are your goals? 
what are the whys behind the goal and what's stopping you, what have you tried, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and in the first meeting, we go over the assessment together for about 20 minutes maybe, and then we start brain spotting right then and there. So that the first one is a 90-minute session. And so about two weeks after that session, we're going to have a follow-up and do some more brain spotting. And about two weeks after that, we'll have the last session. And the reason I like to have two weeks in between is so that, A, your brain continues to process even after the brain spotting session is over and continues to integrate and get, get better. So we want to see that, um, that, that shift. But also, I want to see if you've made the change. And if not, uh, there's another block possibly that we have to work on. So. Yeah. Cool. There you have it, folks. Beth, I'm so glad we connected. And I, I was saying last week, I mentioned Kelly Higdon on the show almost every show, every episode. This is like, mm-hmm. it's becoming a thing. Awesome. I know. It's like, it's just going to have to uh-huh. start giving her credits, producer credits or something. But I'm glad that, that Kelly connected us. And, um, and I hope our listeners will check you out. Beth Medina at Beth Medina. Dot com. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Beth, thanks again for being here and uh, hope you have a great week. I'll see you soon. You too. Take care. Bye now. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the John Clark cast. I'm your host, John Clark, licensed therapist, brand builder, marketing consultant, and guide for therapists. I help therapists build a better business without all the overwhelm. Do us a big favor and rate, review, and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Hope you have a great week. See you next time.